Hi everyone and welcome back to my podcast about wisdom and my name is Eloise, I am your host and this podcast is all about trying to find wisdom so kind of one level deeper than the kind of information flow we get all of the time from a variety of sources. Um, This is about trying to dig down into some of the deeper kind of wisdom traditions and stuff that has more meaning or more integrity or just is kind of longer lasting than like the stuff we read on our social media feeds and things like that. So this episode is all about tarot and I think I'm going to call it Why Tarot? Because that's kind of the question I get asked most often when I tell people that I read tarot cards. I think people have um, a bit of a like a preconception about what tarot actually is. And yeah, the question I get most often is why, why would you bother? So that is what I'm going to try and answer in this episode and I hope you enjoy it. Okay, so this is gonna be um, a short episode and I'm basically just gonna take you through the origin of tarot cards, um, the deck and how it's kind of set out or laid out. Um, and I'll tell you a little bit about the variety of uses um, for tarot and then I'll tell you about my interest in it and how I use it with other people, with clients and also kind of with myself. So to get into the history just a little bit, this isn't going to be like a historical lesson, but basically um, the origins of tarot are a little unclear. So some people think that it was brought in from Egypt and other people think that it was picked up in Europe, but essentially um, it's a deck of cards. So it has the same basic structure um, as a normal deck of playing cards. There are four different categories um, and I'll come into those a little bit later. Um, And then there are some kind of more major, what's referred to as the major cards, which are kind of character cards. And I'll come um, go into those a little bit more detail in a second as well. Um, But coming back to the history of the card deck, um, so some people think that it arose in Italy, predominantly there's a recorded history of tarot in 14th century Italy. Um, The word tarot, as you might be able to tell, is actually French, so that's kind of confusing. But they were being used for um, fortune telling and they were also being used just as a gambling game. Um, at some point the church prohibited this gambling game which obviously made tarot go a little bit underground and as with most things that the church uh, prohibits it became more attractive to some people um, because it was kind of uh, a darker practice that people were interested in. And so yeah, so the cards kind of continued to be popular all throughout like the 18th century um, and 19th century and even today like you'll probably still have heard a lot about the popularity of tarot both um, in a kind of non-spiritual and in a more like fortune telling sense. My guess is that you are most familiar with the cards as some kind of fortune telling device Um, so that is something that's definitely still being done now and you might have come across them on things like tarot TikTok and like on Instagram as well, there's um, kind of a big use of the cards on social media. I was actually reading the other day um, a an article in like, it might have been like the New York Times or something, that was talking about how the use of kind of fortune telling practices has become so popular in the year of the pandemic because in times of uncertainty, people really turn to like any kind of thing that will give them structure, that will give them um, some kind of insight into their lives and what might happen next. Um, 
And this article was basically saying that they saw the same thing in the wake of the financial crash in 2008, like people really grasping for any kind of meaning or purpose, and especially structure, which is one thing that the cards really do provide. So yeah, all that is to say that they've been around for a long time, that they've had various different uses, and that their most popular use, and probably the one that you know them for, is fortune telling. Um, but that is actually not the way that I use the card. So there are a variety of uses that don't relate to predictive or psychic qualities um, and just use the cards as more like an insight into the reality of your life, as an insight into your personality and who you are and what you want, um, as a tool for kind of self-analysis and self-exploration. Um, so I'll go into that in a little bit more detail. But I wanted to give you a broad structure of how the deck is actually laid out, um, just so you can get a sense of the cards if you've never seen the pack before. So I think I mentioned, I don't even remember like if I said this or not, but um, the cards are split into two, um, sort of two packs within the deck. And one is called the Major Arcana and the other one is called the Minor Arcana. And Arcana loosely translates as kind of well, I always think of Harry Potter when I say this, but loosely, box of secrets, kind of got a like chamber of secrets vibe. Um, Arcana basically translates as secrets, so it's kind of like this secretive or unknown quality about the cards. And I'll talk about the minor Arcana first because they're easier to kind of cover. They're basically 56 cards uh, based on a normal deck of playing cards, um, and they are divided into four kind of separate categories. One is swords, one is cups, one is wands, and the other one is pentacles, which are basically like little coins. So you'll know if you have the deck, uh, if you've seen the iconography of the deck, um, then you'll know that pentacles look like these little like um, sort of stars inside a circle. <laughs> um, and yeah, they, if you draw one of those cards, then it's a matter of, they kind of flesh out the bigger kind of character cards that I'll come on to in a second. But if you draw one of those cards, it's more a matter of interpreting, like maybe there's a significance with the imagery or there's a significance with the number, like so they're all numbered, just like a normal deck of playing cards. Um, or there is a, a significance with the type of card that you draw. So for example, um, and this is very kind of high level, but swords normally represent like clarity of thought, decision, like um, sort of quick, quickness of mind and intellect. Um, also quite like a masculine kind of, um, maybe like a little bit of aggressive energy, like ambition, you know, forward movement. Cups are emotions. So they're kind of like um, fluidity in the self, the kind of like feeling a lot, um, and yeah, maybe they represent like a transition or a change in the self. Um, ones are again, like mental, the mental category. So that's more like um, focused on the mind. So it might be that um, the mind is moving very fast or slow or, or kind of something to do with like mental capacity. Um, and also sometimes passion. So again, like um, emotions of like predominantly of the mind driven, like, um, you know, the power of thought and that kind of thing. Um, and then pentacles is kind of um, the financial or like material card. So it's kind of material gain, like economic gain, 
priority like financial priorities um stuff like that and these uh don't have any special significance one way or the other so if you draw a card um that has pentacles it might mean you know concerns about material gain or it might mean abundance of material gain you know so they can go either way they don't have any set so the cards are always responsive to the way you interpret them and that's you and not like a, a tarot card reader although they can obviously give you kind of um what the general kind of cards interpretation might be but you are always as the recipient of the reading going to be the person who decides is that relevant to me do i feel like that connects you know does that mean anything all right, so the uh, major arcana, um, this is uh, 22 cards in this part of the pack and each one shows um, a step in the kind of archetypal story of the self, of the evolution of the self and that kind of sounds very kind of grand and strange. But basically what it is, is a journey of an individual through um, the process of like from beginning to end, a full cycle of whatever you want to say, like life, an archetypal journey. Um, yeah, you can interpret that in different ways. So an archetype you guys have probably already know, like, or have your own understandings of what an archetype is. Um, but I think the word actually comes from the Greek meaning kind of model. So an archetype is almost like um, a symbol or a form maybe something that represents like an unconscious element of the self. So sometimes people say that archetypes arise in like dreams or they arise in stories. So let's stick with the Harry Potter vibe. Um, the Harry Potter story, for example, contains loads of archetypes in it, like loads of archetypal figures. So one might be like the old wise kind of wizard figure, which might be the Dumbledore character. And then the hero, I mean, you might have your own interpretations, but let's say the hero is Harry Potter. And the entire book is kind of the archetypal journey from uh, like Harry trying to fight evil with all these challenges and like overcoming hurdles and battles and that kind of thing. Um, and, you know, love and relationships and friendships all being a part of that kind of broader journey. And a lot of people say that these archetypes show up in pretty much um, everything. So um, if you've ever read someone like Joseph Campbell, The Hero's Journey, like he kind of lays out this map or a template, which, you know, some people have said can be layered onto a lot of big stories that we would recognise. And some people also argue that the reason these symbols are so important to us is because they appeal to something in our subconscious or in our unconscious minds. Um, that we are not aware of ourselves and we need these kind of interpretations in these like symbols and forms and archetypes to really discover those that those things about ourselves as an entry point into a process of self-examination and specifically examination of the unconscious mind um so yeah the major arcana um, I can't remember what I've said because, and the reason is because I have to keep pausing it because I have the hiccups and every time I hiccup, I have to pause it, edit out the hiccup. So I literally have no idea what I've said. So I'm sorry if I've said this before. Um, but yeah, the major arcana, 22 cards, they start with the fool. The fool is the symbol of kind of naivety, the very beginning of the journey, like stepping out on the beginning of a, a on a mission or something. And they end with the world, which is kind of a symbol of completion. And in the middle of that journey, you've got everything from like destruction, love, friendships, kind of starting again, um, 
yeah, ups and downs and challenges and high points and low points and everything. In that is a very, very brief overview of the way the pack is divided and kind of how you can see the major arcana as kind of this um, archetype based journey. And that's where kind of Jungian psychology comes in as well. And the idea of exploring the unconscious mind and that sort of thing. So I'm getting cards and then I might do a part two on the different kind of practical ways that you can work tarot into your self-examination or um, self-analysis kind of routines, whatever you're up to, if you're doing like journaling or meditation or intention setting, these ways of understanding yourself. Many of these can be complemented by tarot if you wanna get the cards and kind of have a Let me tell you how I use them. So normally what I would do is if I was working with a client is do a spread for them. A spread is like a pulling cards out of the deck, but like more than one at a time and laying them down in a particular order. And let's say I do a three card spread for the client and I have a card representing kind of the past, one representing the present and one representing the future. So I would then go through those cards one by one and I would talk with the client and again, not instructing, but like really entering into a dialogue with the client about what that particular card represents, um, all the different elements of the card, like where it kind of comes in the sequence, if it's one of the major cards, kind of the things associated with it. And I would encourage the client obviously to say how the card like feels, like resonates with them. I don't wanna to get too like weird and spiritual about it because even though it is like, I'm quite a weird and spiritual person, um, it's kind of quite, it can be quite almost like a, um, like an, analytic exercise. The idea with a reading is that, you know, you would have an opportunity to, to dig a little bit deeper than you normally would and really figure out like what is going on. Like if there was things, if there are things that you haven't been addressing, you know, it might help you to come to terms with that. Um, so yeah, we would do that for three cards and I would do them individually and then I would look at them as a whole and then we would kind of discuss intentions, mantras, goal setting, um, reflections, journaling, you know, so there'd be practical exercises. I told you, <laughs> I'm, so sorry. I'm not even going to stop anymore because I've edited out so many. Um, but yes, I do have the hiccups. Okay, update, I went and got some water, um, but they're still not going away. So I think I'm gonna end it there and do a part two where I tell you about some more practical ways, um, maybe like the deck I recommend and some more practical ways of integrating tarot into your own life if you just wanna do it at home without having a reading. I would recommend maybe having a reading like every now and then um, if you're interested in tarot, especially to start, just because it helps you understand the deck a little bit better, it helps you understand maybe how to work with the cards or whatever. But you know, you don't have to, it's your life. <laughs> It is your life. Imagine if I just ended there. It's your life. Goodbye. Um, but I am going to end there. And so you can get in touch with me in a variety of ways. Um, I was saying before, DM me on Instagram and definitely still do that if you would like to, because I do try and go through them. However, if you really, really want me, if you have a specific question or a specific comment or specific feedback, and you want to be guaranteed that I'll read it, please drop me an email because I read all of those. And that is what has, <laughs> that is what's happened to me after years in the corporate world. I read all my emails. Um, and yeah, you can also leave a little audio message on the podcast page if you would like to. And that would be extremely exciting for me to listen to. So thank you so much for getting this far. And I will see you in the next episode.